Welcome back to the 86 Life. I'm your host, Neil Striebig. Joining the studio today with Tipped Off's co-founders, Steph Dooley and Ashley Headland. I was going to say, I was going to make sure I'm not pronounced that right. Everyone pronounces it wrong. It's fine. <laughs> I didn't know you had that problem. But honestly, thank you guys for uh, joining me in the studio. Kind of going to jump right into it. I definitely have referred to you guys before as basically a LinkedIn for the service industry. Uh, not sure if that's a, a fair assumption or whatnot. But uh, we're I, just happy you're not calling us the Yelp. <laughs> yeah, the Yelp. <laughs> the Yelp is the, the bane of our industry. existence. Um, because, as you may or may not know, Yelp doesn't have the best reputation in the restaurant industry. So um, it's not really a something we want to be. It's not a compliment. With. Yeah, gotcha, and it's gotcha. not accurate. <laughs> right. So it's it's. And I would say with with that, as far as LinkedIn is concerned, maybe if it was LinkedIn and Glassdoor right. and Monster combined into one bigger thing, yeah. Uh, then yeah, that's that's more accurate for right. a niche industry. But uh, no, honestly, how did you guys get started then? How did it all get down? Go ahead, Chuck. Oh, sure. Um, so I worked mostly in the restaurant industry while I was living in New York City, and uh, it sort of sprung up organically because... Um, you know, when you apply for a restaurant job, you are going in blind. You don't really know anything about that place. And at least the culture in um, New York was that sometimes people, you know, were desperate for employees. They would lie about how much you would make. You weren't really sure what the culture was like. You start there. You're working minimum wage two weeks um, at this place that, you know, I, I like let, let me just say I, ha- I was working at a place on Park Avenue that while I was training the manager walked away and a waitress said run <laughs> well so but by then <laughs> by then it was too late you know I'd already lost income from my other job I was yeah. training for eight dollars an hour and then you're stuck in this place and so I found myself when I was applying for jobs typing in like what's it like to work at x and it just didn't exist mm. and it was driving me crazy because I was thinking like this is something that people in our industry need Um, and it developed from there I came up with the idea kind of gave it a a small effort in New York and eventually decided to move back to Pittsburgh and try it here for a number of reasons but didn't get started right away I started working at Bakersfield on Penn Avenue and one day my coworker Ashley was kind of complaining about uh, uh, her career trajectory sort of like that she wanted to be wasn't sure what she wanted to do, maybe work on something else. And I thought, and I just said, oh, do you want to be my business partner? Yeah. She said, for what? And I described it. She was finishing my sentences. We had a, we decided to have a formal meeting, see if she was serious. And she totally understood the idea and built off of it more and has also been here longer. So she just brings like this essential part of knowing the Pittsburgh restaurant industry and knowing the people in it. Like we walk into a room and she's like, you know, the presidential assistant being like, that's this person. They own this restaurant. I'm like, oh, OK. You know, yeah, and sure. and two years ago they had a fight with this person. And so, um, yeah, we started working together and kind of trying to take it to the next level and take it seriously. And it's just been a lot better. It's, you know, it's a smaller market. We're mm. big fish in a small pond for now. And people are really, I think they're really supportive of their own here in Pittsburgh. So that's... That they definitely are. Yeah. Everyone has that Pittsburgh kind of pride, which is, uh, I think, a double-edged sword at times, though, sometimes. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, we've learned that, too, that the community is small. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, that's that's where the idea was born, and it has since developed and evolved. And um, I was a psychotherapist before, but I quit my job last June to kind of focus on this Mm. and go back to waiting tables. Because as I know, and one of our challenges is that it's hard to care about the restaurant industry if you're not in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So I can talk all I want, but it's sort of like, 
You have to be kind of connected to it because it, it yeah. definitely is an emotion kind of thing. Uh, Absolutely. I don't want to say it's kind of a lost trait or talent to say anything. If you're out of a certain profession for a prolonged period of time, you're definitely going to kind of lose some facets of that. But especially what you guys are doing, you kind of have to understand what's going on. You kind of have, to have your ear to the ground, though, as well. Finger on the pulse, for sure. Yeah. Well, and every city, I imagine, has a slightly different culture. So that's something that we're going to face, too, as we expand. But I think it it is essential for us as even like co- star- startup co-founders to, as long as we can, remain in the industry so that we can stay connected to our coworkers and to, to the culture. How's the response been so far from your guys' launch and uh, reviews and everything else? I mean, you guys getting emails daily? Is it more social media-wise? So when we talk about it to people in our industry and even people outside of our industry, whether it's an Uber driver or a customer of ours or a family friend, everyone's like, that's such a great idea. You need that so bad. It's like, yeah, we do. Uh, but when it comes to responses or downright reviews, um, like Stephanie said, like Pittsburgh's a tough market. Uh, we work in a small town and everybody yeah. knows each other. And I think there is some, I don't want to say fear, but it is. It's it is fear. fear. It's but that's fear. something we have to address. Yeah, like, it's people, people are afraid to talk honestly about their working conditions, which we didn't really think about when we started tipped off i'll say i mean this industry though in itself uh, you kind of have some restaurants that these guys can get fired on a whim so i think that's part of that fear right. and uh with your guys review system though too i mean do you kind of send an email out to them are you guys in the room with them how does that kind of work uh right now you know we're working on the the fully functional launch but how we're doing it now is a google form um hmm. that we will receive those responses if it's something like, and, and I'm sure we'll get to some later reviews that we didn't feel right about just publishing without contacting the restaurant first, we'll do that because that's the idea. We're trying to start a dialogue. Yeah. So it's uh, we're trying to do it as thoughtfully and responsibly as possible and um, step away from... We don't want to be like a, a, a rumor rack. mill. Yeah. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. Don't want to be we, the TMZ. No, exactly. exactly. And that's not what it's about. It's, you know, if there's an issue, what we want to do is go in and, you know, say to the restaurant... Here are some things that we found are are effective ways to reduce employee turnover and increase employee satisfaction. If you'd like to respond to this review, please do so. If you want to tell us that you changed a policy, we're happy to highlight that on our site. It's all about elevating the standard of um, the standard of what working hospitality, yeah. hospitality. standard yeah. of hospitality, yeah. or just like with the experience for an employee, because it, it really is true. And that's and I, I say this often, um, where the connection was really made. I worked at a, I, I, when I was in New York, I worked, I switched restaurant jobs like every three to four months because you can, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's always somewhere else to go. If, you know, just to make an allusion to one of our reviews, if, if you're on your way to work and you want to throw yourself off a bridge, like it's time to, to switch locations, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and that was kind of the rule of thumb I went by there. There isn't enough money to keep you somewhere if you're feeling that sense of dread. So I would just yeah. go somewhere else. The last place I worked that's now closed um, was on the Lower East Side, and it, I was there for like a year and a half, and I only left because of a grad school internship. And I would come in a bad mood, and like before we even opened, would be in a better mood because my coworkers and like we had a family meal, and you know, the chef would talk to us, and Psalm yeah. would teach us about wine, and we were just all, you know, it was a really good vibe, and we would have. People routinely say, like, this is the friendliest service we've ever experienced in New York. <laughs> like, locals would say that. Yeah. And I would make a point to be like, that's because they treat us well here and we're happy. 
and you're going to come back because you know that you're not you know, going to be met with a look of disdain when you walk in, which some of the neighborhoods in Pittsburgh are adopting that, you know, that Brooklyn attitude now, which I have no time for. It's like, you're not even giving me a shot (laughs) at being nice to you. And it's already this sort of like, ugh. I say, well, you have that family vibe and everyone's on the same page. Naturally, it's going to, you know, spread. Everyone's going to be happy to work. And like you said, you're actually happy to be there. So naturally, you're going to give service everything else. I think a lot of staffs then, you kind of have your co-workers that you definitely migrate to and your friends and all that and you definitely have good shifts with them but when they're not there then all like the negative sides of the restaurant kind of pop out and you can have bad days much easier which uh essentially what you guys want to highlight then with reviews and coming out to where it's like okay i love this said restaurant but this is the problem here you know uh, front of house service everyone's doing their own thing we don't have a staff meal there's no organization like i just want to highlight that how many other reviews you have you had so far to where the employees still work there and are kind of giving a critical review and uh, are being objective. Because uh, when I'm on the site, I always kind of worry that these are people that left and kind of have sure. bad feelings and animosity towards establishment. And I don't think any of us in this industry ever truly leave a restaurant on necessarily good terms. It's always going to be a bit of uh, an awkwardness between either the owner or yourself or vice versa. It's either you didn't like what was going on there and you left or they didn't like you and you left. I don't know that that's always true. And I think it's kind of what we're trying to work towards is that part of it is just there's a place that is a best fit for you and there's places that aren't. And it doesn't necessarily have to be glaring issues from either side. It's just like you said, when you're with the coworkers that you vibe with the most, you have a better time and a better experience. You have more fun. Um, And if we can create atmospheres where you're always working with, I don't want to say like-minded people, but people who come into the day with the same like work ethics that you do and everyone kind of has the same vibe going on throughout the shift, whether it's from an owner or a manager or a busser or a dishwasher, like it makes a huge difference. Um, And I think that as far as the reviews we get in them being from whether it's someone who currently works there or someone who has left. We've had a couple that are from people who still work in their spaces and we're hoping to continue that way because we don't want it to just be a highlight of negative issues going on in restaurants. We want you to promote the space that you work at when you want people to come and work with you. The whole point is to give a more realistic um, approach as to what's happening in that restaurant, not necessarily just highlight all of its faults. Right. It's not good or bad. It's it's an accurate picture. Right. So am I going to be happier and am I the kind of person who wants to, you know, pour icy lights and serve wings or do I want to learn about wine and talk about different kinds of cheeses? Both are fine, you yeah. know, but if I want to pour icy light, I'm going to be annoyed if I have to learn about, you know. Stilton cheese and whatever kind of cheese from you know what I mean and be able to talk about that that's not what I'm there for so I'm going to be unhappy so it's more about the good matches than yeah, it now, is about. this is just me just you know the journalist in me is it accurate though if it's only one or two opinions about a restaurant you guys have anything kind of in place to where uh, you want to gather more kind of intel from a said restaurant or maybe ask a couple more questions to the actual reviewee rather than just kind of google docs just yes no likes dislikes and kind of go more in depth with it or uh, So uh, how, as it stands now, there is a free write section that we recently changed to be like, what do you like and what don't you like? Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, they are, the questions are, are objective. It's, do you have to wear a uniform? What is the uniform? How many managers are on the floor? How much can I expect to make on a Wednesday lunch? That kind of thing. So you get this picture of really, what am I walking into? 
And then the free right is to sort of tell their story about how they experience that culture. And um, if that's, you know, what what's what's real, man? It's just whatever your whatever your perception is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you could say, sure, is it inaccurate? I mean, it's that person's experience. So if you what we, we want people to do is say, that's not what it was like for me or that's not what it's like anymore. So I'm going to jump jump on and respond to that or yeah. you can comment on them and say and we had people in that might that contacted us directly well i worked at Casalula, and that was exactly right that's what it was like yeah. and you know do you want to submit a review and then they never do or whatever <laughs> um, but or the other thing is that we want the manager to come in and say you know what this person highlighted a problem about communication and we realized that was a problem so what we're doing now is having uh, weekly meetings where we can, it's kind of an open forum, whatever. All we're looking for is that everybody is just trying to do better and be a good environment to work in and just like treat servers and bartenders and back of house not as replaceable, but as integral parts of a team that when they function well and complement each other, the customer's experience is gonna be enhanced and your business is going to do better because it's gonna be a pleasant place to spend your money. Now, I'm at, I agree with you, everything you just said there. You want it to be a team. You want to be able to be on the same page. You want people to treat it like professional. I mean, do you guys cut things out before you uh, submit so, or is it kind of free-for-all posted up? Um, we edit by omission. And, That's the policy, yeah. Right. We only okay. edit by omission. And there are things that, like, Stephanie and I use this example all the time where the manager stole my boyfriend. Well, we don't care about that. Right. That's not talking <laughs> that's, about... That's not talking about right. what the environment or culture is in that restaurant. Um, and when it comes to a few of pretty inflammatory reviews that we've gotten, we approached um, restaurant owners and managers about them to say, hey, we got this information and it, it's pretty heavy. So we want to check in with someone before we posted on the internet yeah we're not trying to surprise you and shock you and get people to hate your restaurant you know we come to people perfect example would be like the Casalula thing where we could go to brian and say hey we got this really negative review you know uh, frankly like my jaw dropped i texted ashley like what are we going to do about yeah. this and the correct answer to us was you know let brian read it let him tell us his side of the story and then provide him a forum to respond and post them at the same time so that people who we, that we, you know, we hope we can trust our audience to say, and there were plenty of people who read Brian's response and said, I would never say this publicly, but I agree with a lot of the things that he said. And, and including like I have family who owns restaurants and they're like, we all think that, but we just don't say it. For a little context for y'all listening, Castle Lou was a restaurant in Pittsburgh that opened in January 2017, unfortunately, closed in December of uh, same year. There was a review on Tipped Off, your guys' website, that uh, definitely didn't characterize Castellua all too well. And also, it was a no-tip uh, restaurant, so the no-tip policy in place definitely critiqued the ownership and uh, the staff and how that was handled. Brian Kaiser, the owner, is the Brian that Steph is referring to. Uh, with that review, he responded, and I'm in agreement with you as well. If yeah, I think if you worked in the industry and you read his his comments and understood Castellua's situation and location in the city, it's nothing shocking by any means. Castellua was a bit out of the north side's price range, and there was anything else remotely like that in the neighborhood. Right. So you're going to have issues with uh, their traffic and all that. And knowing Brian and talking to him, the guy's a pretty straightforward shooter, and I think you want someone at least candid. But uh, again, I never actually worked under the guy, so I've seen him in small instances and small doses to where 
he's always been fine with me. But Brian's done. He does plenty for the industry as well. You know, I think he was a little upset with the situation he was in, but um, he made it a point, and we always want it to be known that he works with the ROC and works with his local chapter. He's worked um, in New York to have like former inmates get jobs and move people from back of house to front of house who want to be trained to learn those things and make sure that his staff is more diverse. He was really frustrated with the position that he was in, and uh, he took that out on Pittsburgh a little bit. <laughs> but you know, not uh, no no person is is all good or all bad, and that's what sometimes the internet makes it seem that way. <laughs> and uh, we like Brian. Yeah, <laughs> Brian was always good to us. Yeah, <laughs> I say with that uh, with that initial review though, when you guys saw it, you said you were kind of shocked by it. Did you reach out then to the reviewee at all? Was there any sort of context with that? Any sort of clarification? Be like, hey, this is questionable. Can we get a bit more kind of uh, background on this? Or you just took it for what it was and reached out to, to Brian right away about it's it. It's pretty detailed. Yeah. It was, uh, it's certainly if we think that we get a review that may be fake or or false overall or inappropriate like we had someone who when that came out just like said i worked there and nobody should ever work there and this place sucks and then we were just like this is not publishing that we're not that's not what this is you know um that particular review i don't think that that happened but for the redacted review we did reach out to the persons who wrote it that wrote them because there were two um and just let them know you know why it was taking us so long to post and um if they wanted to add anything or to redact anything right yeah. before we before we published because it uh, we expected it to be a little dramatic so a little background information too on the redacted uh, review restaurant <laughs> restaurant in question it was uh, a review as you said from two employees and didn't necessarily paint the the owner of said restaurant in question too proudly it was a sexual harassment case and going to kind of summarize <laughs> this whole thing but essentially there was a couple issues with uh, a male bartender a couple of the female staff felt like he was crossing a certain line and the ownership didn't necessarily back up the staff members that were making accusations and claiming multiple times that this guy was up to no good. Uh, with that being said, that kind of puts you guys definitely in a vicarious kind of situation because how do you handle that then? I mean, you guys want to publish that and it definitely is incendiary material and you kind of want to believe the reviewees, but with the restaurant then too, I mean, that's definitely... Uh, volatile kind of situations so. well yeah and we also the climate of our culture right now um a lot of especially women but you know people in general are feeling empowered about speaking out about these things but um we also want to be responsible about fact checking and um when we initially talked to this owner they had said um that they had documented everything that and and they made the point too that we agree with that just because somebody made an accusation doesn't mean you can just fire someone. Yeah. You have to look into it. And they spoke with their legal counsel and they said that they had an an investigation and after a couple of weeks they determined that the allegations were true and that that bartender was fired. Um so really what was in dispute was whether this person handled it well or did not. Um so we felt comfortable publishing the events as described because they weren't in dispute it was basically a subjective opinion of how can this be handled and what we wanted to do was presented from an angle that said i'm a owner or a manager of a restaurant what can i do to protect myself and what can i do to protect my staff because these can be very damaging things um and it's not something to just flippantly 
publish on a website. Um, right. And we were trying very hard to not do that or be those people, um, and it didn't work out. But well, I think that's the the dangerous thing, and we'll make sure you guys' website and your guys' product essentially cool because you guys definitely want to reach in there and essentially be the fly on the wall and be like, hey, this is what's going on. This is the good. This is the bad. You want to work there? Cool. This is what we've heard about this place so far from people that have worked there. But in a situation like that, then it is one of those two where, yeah, ownership, you want to go through their appropriate way and all that and handle the situation. But then you, that particular view it definitely was one of those things to where you're only seeing one side. And I think that's where through Castellua and that, I, this is just me from what I've seen on the website is where you guys have hit that friction then because you haven't been able to necessarily get both sides or at least put it out there in a digestible way to where it's not going to cause friction or get a bit of animosity from uh, readers. Well, what's unfortunate is that we were in both instances uh, trying very hard to do the opposite. Uh, when we approached Brian and gave him kind of the space to talk about the review that he got and what he was doing differently in his restaurant uh, as to what was said in the review, his response wasn't exactly what we were expecting. Right. Uh, we, we thought it was going to be a little bit different, a little less candid. Um, and so that kind of, it put us in a situation where we were kind of frustrated and not with Brian specifically, but with the idea that we didn't want to seem like we kept villainizing these restaurants and these places that people are working. The whole point is that we want to open up a dialogue. We want to give everyone that chance to say where they're coming from. And it just kind of felt like maybe a deeper hole was digged than was originally there in general. Um, and, and with the second review, even more so, we when we started uh, speaking with this owner-manager in question, you know, we were talking to them and hoping to paint a picture as this is how you handle these situations, whether it was a good way or a bad way. It's a way to handle it. Because there's no standard. There's no protocol right, right now. So yeah. most restaurants don't have HR, you know. We get stuck in, in situations as, as a restaurant manager myself. Like it's hard to decide how to handle those allegations appropriately in a timely manner for the safety of everyone because again an allegation doesn't mean it's true or false you know you have to spend that time investigating and figuring out what's going on before you can make any decisions and you have to do it on behalf of the person who is making the allegation the person the allegation is against and your company and your other employees and everything else comes into question in, in that moment so you know it's hard to to feel like you're making the right choice because we don't have a standard there's nothing there's so many different uh laws in place as far as like Allegheny County Health Department goes yeah. and um, you know, you have to have a poster on the wall in, in every restaurant as far as labor laws, but there's nothing anywhere that says how you have to handle sexual harassment. Yeah. Which uh, I'm with you there, which you guys had the two talks so far, which I want to touch on, on shortly, but I just saying there's no standard. I think that's one of the biggest problems that faces the industry. And it's kind of why I have this podcast and have these conversations. But with that being said, then, are you finding it that you might need to preface some of these reviews and all that and kind of acknowledge to the audience that isn't in the industry some of that before we put the review out? I think uh, when it's digested, and I'm saying this just from friends of mine that aren't in the industry that have visited your website because I'm like, you guys got to check this out. They're always kind of shocked and all that. And I have to kind of explain situations at restaurants. They're work. shocked that these things happen? or Well, absolutely. And, but I think it's because it hasn't been a filter per se on some of the content 
in reviews, especially in the Casalua and the Redacted uh, statement in that regard, to where it does look so abrasive and it does just look incriminating and, and bad no matter how you slice it. And uh, it's not necessarily always the case. It's, as you said, you can't just base it on allegations, but when you have the reviews and you have someone just kind of claiming one thing, it's still just opinion, and it's tough to kind of fact-check and cipher through what's right or what's wrong. And if you guys are just putting up those reviews, I think you're going to kind of continue to see that backlash. I think the first thing that's important to note and something we should have said at the the beginning of this uh, podcast was that we're not just a review site. Tipped Off uh, is a web-based community and a hiring platform for the restaurant industry. So while it's great that people outside of the industry are reading the reviews, the whole point of getting the reviews is less for the open-ended space to write, whether it's a positive or negative review about a space, but for people to be able to find jobs that suit them. And so I think the point of our website is to market to people in our industry. And I think it's no question to everyone who is in this industry professionally that these things are going on. And also that one employee that maybe doesn't still work any work at that restaurant anymore may be saying something that is a touch like I don't want to say fabricated but elaborated because they left on bad terms and also there's no really shock and awe to the things that are obviously true that we're reading because it, it that's Honestly, kind of how our and, industry and you know any review site has this issue and you know you can't prove somebody who writes a Yelp review actually ate yeah. there but I would say so far um Every time we've published a review, all I've heard is, you know, people contacting us personally and saying, I've worked there and that's accurate, you know, because we, especially with the latest, the redacted review, you know, we were, um, there was some other information that the public was not privy to that, that gave us some pause also that, um, you know, it made us look into it a little deeper. And we have, even after it was published, spoken to employees um, from their multiple employees who have all corroborated the story who were employed while they were there. Any other we're, review coming out from that or any other content as far as no, that? I think that was... Uh, yeah, I think that was just for our own yeah. <laughs> peace well, of mind. One on one. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, that restaurant, you know, that restaurant can certainly get another review and, and we'd name who, what, who the restaurant was. So I guess you wouldn't know, but... Understandable. But, uh... As far as your other content, though, I saw, who's it, uh, Vet, if I'm saying her name right? She's doing the four-part yeah, series. Yeah, Vet. You guys have that. Uh, and also, what is it, Sir? Sir Jables. Yes, Sir Jables. The, the column. <laughs> uh, you guys kind of want to break those down, explain uh, how these got started and basically why they're on uh, the website. Uh, yeah, I, I can I can take this one. Um, I think this is, uh, we, we're sort of considering this and, and we're coming towards the end of it, thank goodness, the, uh, the phase one which um, we're just trying to get everybody to know who we are, what we're trying to do, understand our message, and get the uh, employees on board mm-hmm. before we get the fully functional um, hiring site. So part of what that means is having you know compelling original content every day. So we kind of just put feelers out there and ask people to just write whatever they wanted because if Ashley and I wrote it every day, people would get sick of it because it would sound the same. <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 I entered at, at Gawker when I was like in my early, right after college. And uh, that was something I liked about the site where I could start reading an article and I would say like, oh, I know Hamilton Nolan or like Richard Lawson is yeah. writing this. Like I, w- I knew the writers and it was very personalized. And like, that's what we want. We want people to feel like 
they know the contributors and they're coming on our site even when they don't need a job because either they want advice or they want to know what's happening in Pittsburgh. Makes sense. Or, yeah. you know, and, and if you want to get into like the social justice angle, you want to go somewhere where people are being treated well because you're probably going to get better service there. And and I know that there's like some people in the city now who are, you know, there there some some people have blacklists in the yeah. service industry to places they don't go because they know that employees are treated poorly. You know, so they won't go there. No, rightfully so. And then uh with the vet series, I think as you said with the certain voices and everything else any writer has, uh, her column so far seems very objective, very kind of professional. Right. And mm-hmm. so Jables definitely has the uh the kind of frat mind and uh I don't want to say like it's calm. I think it paints kind of a a bad light. It makes us all seem like drunkards and and parties, which is uh, the toughest part. But do you guys consciously kind of do that so you can see that comical side of it versus the objective side that we're trying to be professionals? It's definitely that we are a community filled with a whole bunch of different people. Yeah, and we're letting him do whatever he wants. Yeah. That's what he t- we told him. He's crazy. We were like just <laughs> and we worked with him before, and yeah. that yeah. that's part of it. Like. We had worked with him at Bakersfield, yeah. and he kind of kept us sane with some of that humor sometimes because, yes, it can get a little raunchy, and yes, it can be just like a, a touch overboard. But sometimes, like, that's what I need in the middle of a 12 hour shift like without that a fantasy break. of yeah. how you can inter, you wish you could interact with customers or things that you wish you could say, <laughs> or like him being like, let's be real, you're high when you got to work today because you needed to, like that kind of thing. I mean, you know, Ashley and I the last thing we want to do the how we're we're going to fail to connect with our community is to pretend that we're this professional corporate company you know we're professional people and we're handling things responsibly but when it comes down to it our work environment in this industry is more casual in a lot of ways and we're not going to pretend that it isn't and we're certainly not going to foster an environment that is stuffy and corporate as our company grows you know because that's I I've been there I've done the nine to five and I didn't last I couldn't do it you know and yeah. and now I'm back into into this job and, and there's something about it that draws you back and um, I, I certainly don't think I'm the only one that feels that way you have a lot of freedom you make a lot of interesting relationships and you become friends with people that you never would have given the time of day to before you yeah. know people don't want to admit that but it's like I I'm willing to bet that anyone's friend group in the restaurant industry is far more diverse racially economically socially you know when it comes to oh your, for sure right when it comes to your sexual orientation i have friends from every walk of life that i can't imagine another situation where i would have met them yeah you know and we walk in and we're all equal and you all and you just kind of get to know people and yeah it's just a beautiful thing i think so Jables is one of those people. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely very lives in a van. <laughs> it's definitely a very social profession, which, as you're right, it definitely, as you said before, the family meal and all that, your coworkers become your family, your friends, and you're working along with them and on the stress, and it becomes the uh, adrenaline factor when you kind of go through adrenaline and sharing that, you kind of create bonds a lot quicker in sharing that. But uh, with the Sir Jables thing and the new site, are you guys going to have anything that kind of divides that then between the professional side and the hiring side, the objective reviews, and then the columns and kind of the comical side of well, the lighter side of this industry to where it's like, yeah, we are kind of jackasses, but we also handle our shit. Right. And we, you know, Ashley and I are part of this industry. There's, and that's the other right. thing. People make these assumptions that like, 
you're just the lost children of <laughs> of the work world. Like, oh, yeah. what happened? Did you drop? Or I've had people be like, you what seem do you really do smart. The day? Um, why are you Sleep. working here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, or did you go to college? That's so surprising. And it's just like, okay, I, I don't know what to say to you that you think everybody is here because they failed. But no, right now, um, our new site is being designed and something that I don't know we're, we're going to stick with or not, but that we like this idea was that you kind of land on this page and you have the like, get advice or get a job. Like, do you want to go to the blog? Do you want to learn some stuff? Do you want to hear from other people in your industry? Or are you just here to work, you know, and get a job? Gotcha. So yeah, they're separated in that way. They're going to be separated in that way where it's not, you're not going to be confused as to whether you're on you the get to choose your own adventure at Tipped Off. Exactly. <laughs> if that's what you're interested in. But, and then yeah. uh, as far as the get a job portion of it, how is that going to be broken down? It's going to be like a search or is it going to have uh, ratings or what? So it's actually really cool. Uh, and it's something we were just talking to our website developer uh, about this week is our landing page is going to be a map of the city. Hmm. And you'll have pinpoints on the map of all of the restaurants in the city. And it would be a different color pinpoint if they're hiring. And all of the icons based on what they're hiring for would be different. Yeah, yeah, wow. it's a lot of pins. <laughs> um, but it gives you the availability to find a place close to you in your neighborhood, in your community, um, as far as what's hiring. And then there is also a searchable list and icons of restaurants that are hiring and available you'll be able to build a profile as an employee uh, to kind of narrow down what you're looking for so you can find a best fit. So if you want something uh, within a certain amount of miles or if you want something that focuses on a specific cuisine or Hmm. the amount of experience you have or hours or a vibe, you'll be able to do that. So Um, you're not just kind of blanket applying to everything. I mean, sure, you can do that if you want, but it's on you to cross-reference it's the same way where it's like hey i want something to eat and i'm gonna look at penn avenue and look at this map even google maps you put in restaurants you can click on the pinpoint and you get some reviews so it's like all right maybe i want to work here you work go you know go through and they're not so great maybe you don't want to work there you know and and the map is such an important thing and that idea was kind of born in new york too because so much of that is like canvassing your neighborhood where like <laughs> i would just walk around with a stack of resumes and yeah. walk into restaurants at you know between 2 and 3 and say are you hiring and just drop off my resume yeah. so like let's save people some time you know let's make it a little more efficient that these people are getting mountains ashley can tell you how many applications oh you get gosh, and how many of them worst. are usable when you're when you're a hiring manager your best bet right now is is craigslist and the responses you get are in the hundreds. Uh, half of those have more than one line. Half of those have resumes. Half of those are anyone who's even sort of an available candidate. And by the time you're sorting through them, half of those people already found jobs. And then of the people that you finally do have coming in to an interview, half of them show up and two of them are qualified and one of them has the availability you need. And it's just, it's so hard to go through that process because you waste so many man hours and there are so many other things that you could be doing to progress your restaurant and so many other things that demand your attention. Yeah, you say like hiring manager, like that's its own job. No, you're a manager and you also hire people. Right. <laughs> but then you also have to manage the, the restaurant, restaurant or yeah. manage the floor yeah. or you don't have time. And so if you think about how that's, many that's hours part of the role, yeah. yeah, you actually get to spend in front of a computer 
looking through all of these emails like is a whole other thing it takes days to go through the hiring process to actually sort through all of this mm. and we we really want to squash that and we really want to help that so that restaurant managers can spend their time doing more for their restaurant for their employees rather than staring at a computer screen yeah. trying to so find an gonna, available candidate. Yeah, and we would allow them to then filter the applications they receive. So they would say, for example, you know, give me someone who lives in a half mile radius from my restaurant, has three years experience, mm-hmm. and has, you know, good wine knowledge or excellent wine knowledge or experience in Italian cuisine. You know, you go from 50 resumes to 15. That's already a time saver. You know, if we have people fill out these sort of static boxes of the categories of what a restaurant is looking for, they can be better matched. So are you having restaurants and sign up for this then as well? What's that? Are you having restaurants sign up for this to be a part of it as well? Yeah. Yeah. Are you uh, are you worried about any restaurants? Similar, you said the, the first part with the reviews and the fear of certain uh, yeah. employees. Oh, for sure. It's for what sure. we're dealing with. <laughs> That's the, the biggest, biggest problem right now. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard for when employees feel like the only time they want to talk about the restaurant they work in is in a negative way when they have a a gripe and then turn around and ask that restaurant to post a job on our site site. but but you know what we're doing and why this sort of initial phase was focused on integrating ourselves with the community was because the goal is that we're going to have the best people you know, we're going to have the best people checking our site and this is where you're, you're going to find the best employees. So work with them and work with us because we're, it's, we're not about tearing anybody down. Like we said, you get a bad review. We want you to come in and interact with us and respond to it. And, you know, over time, we're going to be able to collect data and let you know what policies are working and what policies aren't so that you, you can decrease your turnover because turnover is really expensive. As much as people want to say that, we're replaceable. I mean, especially a salaried employee, even making, I was reading this the other day, making $40,000, it can cost like $20,000 yeah. rehiring, you know, and yep. training and the mistakes they make and just integrating them into the culture. You know, well, I mean, not, if, this, if this was a place in New York, uh, would you still basically be bobbed around every three, four months to restaurants if something like this was in place? Because you said earlier that. Well, I would hope that I would find the last place that I talked about first. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, you don't, you don't even know. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was I was training at this place and I asked, because it's even this culture that permeates to the servers. And I said, so like, how much would you make on a night like tonight? And he was like, well, if this is a place that sold muscles, you know, if you're not here because you're passionate about the muscles, like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm not comfortable telling you how much I make. What other job on the planet would you not be allowed to know how much you made before you accepted a job offer there? Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. Typically, I, you know, you should tell you to begin with to give you ballpark yeah, figures. No, they so, would. I mean, they, that's like a faux pas yeah. to ask how much money you're going to make. Like that's all we're trying to do is make sure that people are making informed decisions. And on the restaurant side, make sure that, you know, I, I would hope that owners and managers would want to hear from the employees who are too scared to tell them. You know, maybe this is this is going to be a way where they can see how people are really feeling and eventually open up um, a line of communication where they see that it, it benefits them to listen to people and have, you know, an open door policy and, and erase that fear of, you know, and I've worked in places where it's like, if you complain, you might be on the chopping block because they'll just find someone else. And then that's foolish from, I think, from a 
a restaurant standpoint because employee loyalty is priceless and it's yeah. um, typically free to earn. And uh, I, I just, I don't understand, but we want to help people. Well, it's a profession. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have that walking on eggshells mentality in a lot of different professions, but in ours it's worse because there's always somebody kind of knocking down the door and you can be kind of easily replaced at times because a lot of different factors in play. It's the fact that, you know, some of us don't take it seriously and, you know, we're able to uh, come in high or drunk and do a decent job. And at the same time, you may not get somebody that's, you know, as familiar with wine or your bar menu or, you know, handles your clientele the, the way you feel needs to be handled. So you kind of keep your job a bit long, even though you may not actually be the right fit for them. So it's definitely just a dynamic that you guys are, are trying to pull. Uh, have you had any restaurants, though, thus far been like, F that, not signing up, don't like what you're doing, get the hell out of here? We only had one restaurant owner uh, actually approach us at one of our events. He is now. Oh, yeah, I guess. We had an It's almost as if he attended our event (laughs) to let us know how bad our idea was. (laughs) We we hosted an event uh, for service industry employees. Like a get to know you. Yeah. And it was free to come. And we gave you food food and free drink tickets. It was at Arsenal Cider House. We had a hell of a time. There was people there that we had never met, which felt awesome because it was our first event. And we're like, great. It's probably going to be just our friends getting free drinks from us. Right. (laughs) Um, But it wasn't. And that was awesome. And this one uh, restaurant owner came in, uh, pretty sure had a couple, bar owner, uh, pretty sure had a couple drinks on us. Uh, I think he was eating a hot dog. Um, And he was just like, me and a couple other restaurant owners, we don't like what you're doing. And we're like, well, why? Because you're Yelp for the for the restaurant for restaurant workers. Well, we're not Yelp for the restaurant community. Well, all you're going to get is negative reviews. All of my employees love working for me. And I was like, <laughs> okay, tell one of them That's to amazing. write a review. Yeah. Let's hear and from them. And then you'll have a positive review for your space. Which... They would never do that. This well, then maybe not the you best don't have yeah. a, a, like a staff that Let's put it this way. Based on like what we know, this person should be worried. Okay. Which is like... All has anybody, right. any employees written a review for their establishment yet on your site? Oh. Uh, it's n- a very new establishment. Yeah. Um, at, at that time, they were not, not yet open. open. Yeah. Gotcha. It just opened very recently. With you guys' events, though. You had one event at Scratch food and beverage up in Shore Hill, which is about a no-tip policy and tipping model. Does it work? Does it not work? How can it be implemented? Should it be implemented? All those kind of questions and also to addressing why it is flawed and why occasionally it also can work and provide a bit of stability for the profession. You also had another one recently at Tina's down in, uh, is that Garfield still? Would that be? I want to say Bloomfield. Bloomfield slash Lawrenceville? Nope, Bloomfield. Bloomfield. Okay. Down in Bloomfield about sexual harassment, which uh very hot button issue and definitely in our industry it uh happens way more than it should and again that casualness definitely blurs the line of what's right or what's wrong and without an HR department as you said earlier, Steph, it definitely can uh, get progressively worse very, very fast. With those two talks, uh I kind I'm kinda curious because the Castle article came out about what, five days before the actual tipping yeah. model conversation and mm-hmm. then the redacted conversation came out a day or two before the ex-sexual harassment. Was that planned at all or no. just coincidence? It's in, uh, in both cases, like complete coincidence, which is hilarious. Uh, Wait, what was a coincidence? That the, both of those reviews, the Castle Oh, they came review, in and sort of... Uh, right before the events. We had both of the events on the docket. That's true. The tipping, 
the tipping uh, model yeah, roundtable and the sexual harassment roundtable. The submissions Both, were definitely a coincidence. The time of the release, no. Well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm just. I mean, come on. Yeah. The <laughs> the submissions <laughs> were uh, were coincidental. The the Casalula one especially because we had because Brian was on the panel. panel yeah, mm-hmm. we which was the craziest part. Yeah. Uh, we really wanted to get Brian's insight as far as he. Uh, started with a no tipping model, uh, which wasn't working in his space. And so he actually nixed it um, just a couple weeks before the roundtable, which is why we were so excited to have him on our panel. Right. Talk about why it didn't work Uh, and why you went back to the... Right. And then we finally got his response two days before the round table as far as uh his response to the review he had <laughs> yeah. we had we had had it for a few weeks um and we're kind of giving him the space and time to, to really get back with us and think about what he wanted to say just as we give any employee who wants to write a review they do it on their own accord um and it, it just kind of happened that way <laughs> we i mean listen we you know, people started paying attention. A lot of people cared about what was being said and had opinions there. And that day, I mean, that was when we were finally getting like some media attention. And, right. and I just texted Brian being like, hey, you OK? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like, See you tonight. <laughs> he's like, yes, I know. The paper already called all the stuff. And we're like, OK, okay. Well, as, long as, as long as you're good. Cause... With that with that first talk, tipping model talk, it was a <laughs> panel with uh, Brian Kaiser from Casalua. Uh, Damahaney from Scratch and then Nikki Battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's she at right now, actually? She's actually Dino with is. me at Dionoyas. <laughs> okay, I feel like she's always like she's always involved in something, but I feel like where she's actually physically working like 90% of the time, I have no idea. Like, Moves around yeah. a little bit. She's also, to note, the USBG president, yeah. uh, which makes her very important in our industry. Skilled. Yeah. With that talk, though, were you guys happy with it? The turnout? The actual conversation? What would you guys... That was our first one. We... Um, you know, we, I, I was happy that we got some, um, media people there. I think, um, Troy Hill is a hard sell for a lot of people. <laughs> I, it is. It's I mean, and I get people, people, yeah. I tell people all the time, like, you know, scratch is five minutes from downtown. Yeah. It doesn't, when you, you say Troy Hill, they're like, what? I don't understand that's, what that's that is. That's the North Side in general, I think. Whatever. North Side suffers from that. Tina's is like a, a very hot place Central right location, now for yeah. industry people and yeah. Bloomfield, Lawrenceville is somewhere where people are hanging out anyway. Yeah. So um, I think it was a little bit because sexual harassment is a bigger topic and maybe we've been like a little more heavy with social media, but our turnout was definitely better for the second for the sure. One. But with the the tipping uh, model roundtable, we had more restaurant owners. Mm. Right. Which was interesting. We had right. people from Bar Marco who and were very interested. Pear in and Pickle. Right. Although it's right around the corner from them. So that was yeah. Um But we had more restaurant owners invested in that uh, rather than the sexual harassment. Well, right. Table. And and somebody did. Uh, I'm not sure if you were there for that, called called that out, kind of saying, like, look around, there aren't any owners or managers, and what kind of message does that send yeah. to the importance of this topic? Um, well, they, so, I see, I don't know, I shouldn't say I see, it felt uh, like there's a lot more just non-industry workers there compared to the tipping model, though, as well. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think it was kind of split 50-50 at the sexual harassment. Without the owners there, I think the talk still kind of progressed in all that. It's definitely tougher but are you guys going to follow up with that talk and are you guys are planning a third one but there's certainly discussion demands, yeah. on carrying that over and then getting owners on the panel and 
kind of addressing what was discussed at that panel at Tina's, carrying it over, or what's the what's the game plan there? We've definitely talked about it, um, and there were more than a handful of people that reached out to us, even some uh, managers of restaurants, saying that they couldn't attend that night because of when it was. Um, and we definitely think there's more to talk about and more space to do so as far as whether or not we're going to be the leaders of that and how we put it into perspective. That's not really on the plan yet. Well, we we, we really were... Um sort of planning the outline of this conversation to be solution focused because Mm -hmm. there in our from our perspective there have been still are plenty of um, places for people to just tell their stories which of course is is certainly valid but um, Ashley and I thought that a more a, a different spin on that a different perspective would be okay you know we don't have to you can Everybody, everybody in the industry has experienced something. We don't have to tell each other about it because we've told each other about it by now. But now what are we going to do about it? What are we yeah. going to do to say that we're not okay with it or change it? And and we did touch upon how we're a very unique industry in that um, sort of the line that is uncrossable is a little further out than other industries. So it's a little hard to navigate because um, so much of our culture are those very intimate and casual relationships that we formulate. And so much of the work we do is emotional. I I mean, I always draw a parallel to when I was a psychotherapist, I would, I would joke with people that like, it's the same job, but it's kind of true. You have to approach each customer, get a read from them about what kind of server they want and be that server. And it's emotionally exhausting. And some people are really nasty to you because they don't, they forget your people or their boss yelled at them all day. You know? So when you go to the back, and talk to your friends, you know, you have to, it's like, it's the equivalent of in psychotherapy, like the gallows humor, where if we talk about <laughs> patients with each other, like, I remember the first time I walked into a clinic, someone was like, ugh, someone uh, said that they were going to commit suicide, so now I have to stay till six. And I was like, you monster, you know, how could you say that? Yeah. You know, fast forward a year, and I'm like, ugh, why do I have to stay? <laughs> because like somebody needs that or that or that or that. It's just like something that you can't explain but it's how people cope unless you're in it unless you've experienced it but it is how people cope well, i think so someone like, needed we... you know another bottle of wine compared to you wouldn't commit suicide <laughs> well, bit of a difference but uh but the the sort of like gallows humor is the same where we yeah. might talk go in the back and talk about a guest in a certain way or that you know really negative or really harsh but you know at or the end of the day it's like if i didn't like doing this point, yeah. right right so that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's just the the sense of humor that helps us keep our heads above water and keep keep us sane, you yeah. know? I'm kind of curious, though, coming back to the, the first panel, what's your guys' thoughts on the actual tipping model? You guys for it, against it? Kind of break it down on you guys. You think it's going to work more so in a city like Pittsburgh across the board? You think it'll be more bar markers, or is it still too soon? So both Stephanie and I feel that when it comes to a tipping model, we can't say that there's one specific way that works for everyone. It's kind of the nature of our industry in general, just that every schedule doesn't work for everyone. Every culture of every restaurant doesn't work for everyone. Um, And I think it, it just comes down to there can be an availability for different restaurants to demonstrate different models as long as they're still taking the employee's best interests to heart when it comes to maybe an hourly wage rather than a salary or a tipping model it still has to be livable 
and whether to say like that means menu prices increase and overhead of product needs to decrease and maybe it means you can't offer benefits or maybe it means you don't get to buy a new case of glassware every week when you need it. I don't know. I don't know where uh, where you get that extra money from to be able to do that. But but the point is, is that if you it has to be in the employee's best interest in some way. We can't just say that, like, everyone should be on a salary. Everyone should be making an hourly. Everyone should just continue to go on tipping because not everything, not all of those situations works for everyone in mind. Well, and not to mention that something that the customers I think are so unaware of is how razor thin the profit margins are at restaurants. You know, they think that it's like, I I didn't like this little part of my meal. So just give it to me for free. Like they don't understand how damaging that is. No. And that happens a lot. And it's like those costs, it, you're talking about the difference between, you know, coming in the red or in the black at the end of the month. And um, that's something that Brian touched on yeah. where I mean, it's, he said, he said, I can't just keep you on if we have no customers because you need the money. So when you're talking about like he was paying $18 an hour, he can't just keep someone around if there are no customers. And I think that if customers also understood food costs and labor costs and all those things, um, I, I, the parallel I, I tend to draw is that I think we've seen in our country that there, there is potential for people to be willing to pay more, especially when you look at things like produce and meat. We've shown that when people learn, you know where it's sourced where it's from they start to care they see how the animals are treated they say okay i'll i'll pay instead of paying a dollar 99 for a dozen eggs i'm fine with paying 3.99 because i know that the chickens weren't on top of each other in a dark you know what i mean like (laughs) with these like huge antibiotic breasts like dragging on the floor and i don't want to put that in my body and i don't want animals to be treated that way okay well what about human beings (laughs) you know like would you be willing to pay a little more to know that these people are you know, stable, stable and, and keeping their head above water yeah. and they can have a normal life. Sometimes I also think that customers forget that they're paying for an experience and not just a meal. You know, if when you're, I don't want to say cutting corners, but when you're, when you're trying to save some money and you're making a meal at home, it's a lot different than when you're trying to save money and you're going out to eat. Because again, it's not just about the fact that it's a quick meal. It's about the fact that somebody else is providing it to you. Someone else is cooking it. Someone else is delivering it to you. Mm. Someone else is helping you make those decisions. Someone else is washing those plates. Somebody is maybe entertaining you. Like yeah. I have I have, I have people who sometimes I'll pour them water and they'll be like, oh my God, you don't have to do that. That's fine. I'm like, why else do you come out? Like, let right. me pour your water. That's cool. Like, yeah. uh, that's why I'm here. Enjoy yourself. You know, that's part of the deal. I'm here to take care of you and make sure that you have a nice stress-free experience because if that's not something you were interested in, you would have stayed at home or not come here. I think that's a big reason why the no tipping policies don't work is because clientele doesn't understand it. And always circles back to this profession is misunderstood unless you're in it. So the clientele doesn't understand why prices are higher and the price points are higher and the fact that you're living off a tip wage unless you've been in that situation. There's no way you can necessarily comprehend that. It's a very tough dynamic. And here in Pittsburgh, I think population alone, you're not going to see too many no-tipping restaurants in general. Hats off to Bar Mocha. They were able to do it. Livermore, unfortunately, could not. And I think that's the nature of the beast. It's uh, I'm very critical of Pittsburgh's diners because I still think they know how to eat. They just don't know how to dine. And I'm always going to be much more of a <laughs> fine dining kind of guy than like the casual scene. But uh, that's just, that's just me personally in that. I'm kind of curious though, would you guys prefer to work in a no tip policy or have you guys, or you guys still prefer 
working in a tipping restaurant. I mean, as a manager, mean, I'd imagine you might be already salaried as I, it is. Yeah. I've been in, in all of those situations. I've worked as a manager, as an hourly manager. I've worked as a manager where I get a partial salary and tips. I've worked as a manager where I get a full salary. I've been a server and I've gotten tips. I've been in a pooled tip. I've been all over the place. And and I'm, I'm being serious when I'm saying that I think it just depends on the person and the situation. Because for me, it, it kind of just depends. If I was looking for a more stable lifestyle because I was starting a business and just bought a home, then right. maybe I would want uh, like a more uh, laid out salary in uh, a schedule that was a little bit more on point. Um, but if I was looking to spend my time traveling more and doing more exciting things, then I would rather be on a tipping base where I could kind of, I don't want to say come and go as I please, but, no, but that's come like and go as I please my... and, and make the money when I need to and, and not feel required to make any money when I didn't have to. Yeah. I mean, I've had several friends who've done that. They just work a bunch of extra shifts and then they're going to, they say like, I'm gone for three months and I'm going to travel the world <laughs> and have these great experiences because I saved up my money or, or my friend who was traveling met somebody that would do six months on six months off. They'd work in a, at a bar in London, make bank, work their butt off and then, you know, fulfill their fantasies of seeing the world for six months and then do it again. And that's what was working for them. So a salary wouldn't work for them. You know, they can't do that kind of thing. And something that was brought to my attention recently that I didn't realize was that people don't know that servers make less than minimum wage, which was a surprise to me um, <laughs> that like they've spoken to a lot of people that said they thought we made minimum wage, but we don't like that. Even if they don't tip, well, we're still making minimum wage. And legally, that is how it should go. You know, the, the house has to make up the difference if you don't. But that never happens. But that doesn't happen. I'm actually kind of curious what the average serving wage is in Pittsburgh across the board. I imagine it's probably in that 25K, 30K ballpark. Not uh, like all I the way across s- the board. I always look at mine um, as average hourly. And there are yeah. apps that can help you like track that. And I would usually say in Pittsburgh that I wouldn't work a job where I wasn't averaging $25 an hour. Um, because it's the work's too hard and too consuming to do it for less than that. Um, Are you going to pinpoint restaurants that uh, kind of offer that? On the it's not side? even offering. It's just about like how busy they are. Like th- those. And that varies those, all the, the month, time. And the months, you know, January is a slow month. I wasn't probably making that in January, but then it, you know, it goes back up and you make $400 in a night for working five hours, you know, and then that kind of brings you to a more, It, I think it ends up evening out evening out for sure it's, it's definitely is. not something you can guarantee every shift every night and every hour right um but it it's something that you're you are you're kind of looking for that the the break even at at the end of the week or the end of the pay period and 25 is um not fine dining i would say fine dining would definitely be more but it depends on if you want to do that which <laughs> i'm not going to do that anymore <laughs> with uh with the sexual harassment talk what was your guys biggest takeaways with that y'all Thought it was successful. Any sort of follow-ups from the attendees? Um, I definitely thought it was successful. We were actually, I don't want to say nervous, um, but curious going into it as to whether or not it was going to be a lot of people sharing their stories and not really knowing where to go from that or not having ideas solution-wise as to what to do. Hmm. Um, But a lot of people bounced off a lot of ideas and spoke a lot about the way certain situations were handled and how they would rather them be handled in the future. Um, 
And I think it was nice. Uh, Sarah, who hosted us at Tina's, she spoke out a few times as far as to like what kind of um, culture and environment she's looking to create, especially when it comes to uh, sexual harassment and the well-being of her employees. And her bartender, Lisa, who uh, was bartending for us, actually raised her hand to speak out to say... Which we loved. Yeah, it was so... It felt so good. And Sarah was just like, I was so proud to have her <laughs> say that. It felt so good. Um, but but Lisa was like, listen, if you're talking inappropriately to me, to another guest, like, you're... No, I'm going to tell something you racist. Once, no. If you say yeah. something homophobic, she's like, you're out of my bar. Yeah. yeah. Because you, that's the, the environment she's trying to create. Yeah. And... She's lucky enough to be working for somebody who trusts her to um, make those decisions. Because not everybody's that does not lucky, always but, happen. And that's that's an, another thing that, you know, it probably will necessitate another talk because the other thing is, um, what do you do if a customer is the offender, you know? And yeah. I learned that in New York pretty quickly because, you know, people can be aggressive and you just have to be aggressive right back. And if it got to the point where it was like, if my owner doesn't back me up, then I'm going to get a job somewhere else because, you know, I'm not sacrificing my dignity for a $6 tip, which yeah. like I ended up telling a customer once who told me, oh, I can talk to you however I want. When I, I said, can you please not speak to me like that? Yeah. And I said, why? Because you're going to leave me a $6 tip. I said, no, it's not going to work that way. Well, I think it's a problem with all the restaurants that uh, you don't feel like you're the ownership's uh backing and all that and that leads to the wanting to hop around and go to different restaurants and just until you find that nice fit yeah you're able to do that and again your guys website's designed to kind of counter that and let you know out of the gates what's good enough to waste you know x amount of time whether it be you know a couple months six months a year whatever at a bad establishment but with the sexual harassment talk at tina's any solutions or anything else you guys kind of worked up from that discussion it was good i mean I, I attended it and i was glad to see the amount of people there, but at times I felt it was definitely not objective. It was more just, uh, this happened, this is the reaction and kind of a feel good kind of talk rather than a solution kind of talk, which I think is good. And it's a good entry point, but ultimately our industry definitely needs a solution. We've all been through and we've all seen it to various degrees. So is there a solution that you guys kind of, got from that discussion or is it still like another talk and see what you guys can do well first and foremost unfortunately when stephanie and i planned this round table we did have a few people that we were hoping to attend to speak out on behalf of solution focused ideas um we had invited someone who owns and manages a restaurant um, who we thought was handling uh, sexual harassment claims properly and was taking care of situations like that. And we wanted to kind of pick their brain about it. Um, we had the redacted article. I'll say it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we were wrong. <laughs> uh, this person was supposed to be on our panel and we were trying to um, do something positive with it. What, I mean, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just feel like there was a little bit of inaccuracy and I think it's only because you had to dip pretty quick but like not pretty quick but like not before we were totally finished mm -hmm. so we did have a PAR representative yep. there uh, Pittsburgh Action Against Rape, Rape yep. I believe because they've come up with a program where I mean Ashley maybe yeah they're doing um, uh, trainings uh, it's called Last Call and it is meant to have 
someone like a train a group of individuals, employees, mostly managers or owners from a restaurant, mm. uh, train together to learn like the next steps to take when it comes to sexual assault or harassment in the restaurant um, and kind of guide them on how to handle those situations. And uh, PAR has been doing a lot of great work and uh, one of our local uh, wine reps, uh, Corey, Corey Hart, Hart yeah. yeah, he, uh, his wife went through something pretty tragic mm-hmm. and they worked uh, really closely with PAR and it got... And she was working in the industry. Yeah. Uh, and it got Corey incited to like, how do, how, what do we do? How do we keep this industry safe? And like, what are the next steps? Um, so they put together this program um, that I think will be very beneficial, but not many people have signed up um, to or know take about it. or know about it. Um, but actually in the uh, at the roundtable, we had a questionnaire fill out and there were a lot of responses on the questionnaire of people who wanted to have PAR come in and talk to their restaurants. Right. Which was great. And, um, you know, the the other thing about um, people, you know, like that, like a training program where, where someone can come in is that we can also use our platform to let potential employees know if someone in that building has been trained. So at least, you know, we can't guarantee that there's not going to be something that crosses the line, but at least, you know, there's someone in the building who's gone through a training on how to handle it and how to be that point person that you can come to if you feel like you need to speak up about something and they're going to handle it sensitively um, as opposed to, you know, someone who doesn't know what to do and it's not necessarily their fault. They're, they're just trying to run a restaurant and now, you know, they have accusations floating around. What do they do? Yeah. Well, PAR is trying to help them figure out what to do. With I know you don't have... Uh a set plan for the next talk or anything else. And actually my girlfriend made an interesting point. I didn't even think about it because I get your guys' point of view. Uh, first two ones are held in a bar setting and it's naturally when going to get industry folk involved, but any ideas to kind of get it out of a bar setting, restaurant setting to get more non-industry folks involved and just get more voices that might be a bit more proactive because industry, I think <laughs> all like, no, no. <laughs> uh, for, for us, why would we do that? <laughs> uh, no, we definitely us. want outside voices and we have, we've had some, we, we've had, we yeah. Have. And, and we've also invited, uh, customers of ours. And actually at the, uh, last round table, uh, a, a girl who Allie, she is just a regular, like everywhere. And it's awesome. She's uh, a great girl. And she, knew that we were having this conversation and she wanted to be a part of it. And, you know, we're trying to spread the word as much as we can, but as far as taking it out of our comfort zone and taking it out of our our industry, this is, you know, we're one trying to give uh, business, business. yeah, Yeah. business to people that are in, in our industry. Uh, And we're also trying to, when we're asking people in our industry to come on their day off to talk about something that is important, we also want them to feel comfortable and not like they're in class for three right. hours. And they're being lectured. Like th- these are, you know, we're people that you don't have to have a drink, but it's just like, this is where we go to bond after work. These are the places that are open. This is where we talk about these things. That's where the conversations happen. It just is what it is. Restaurants and bars are yep. where we go. And usually people who work in the industry are, you know, harkening back to what you said we're good diners you know and we like to go places and treat the staff well and get to know people and that's it's just a part of 
community building. And we even had really nice moments with the owner, Sarah Schaefer, who's been in, you know, she worked where I work now. And um, just being able to connect everybody in that way where we're all kind of on the same level, like we were saying, the bar- bartender jumped in. Yeah. Like, those, that's all great things. We just want a little equanimity and uh, comfort when it comes to talking to these about these topics. I mean, I'm just being devil's advocate with this yeah, now. Please. But yeah. um, do you think it would draw in more? Because on the street itself, I mean, we're not very proactive, and those talks do happen in bars after shifts, and a lot of us are like, oh, yeah, you know, this is a great idea, and we're super pumped. And then we go to bed, we wake up the next morning, and we're just like, ah, shit, I got to go to work. And you just kind of forget about whatever the discussion was. It might carry on. Do you think getting people that aren't in the industry, that are a bit more proactive and have a bit more time to, in this case of sexual harassment, be kind of social justice cars and really be like, you know what? I didn't no idea the industry was suffering like this in hospitality. Let me go talk to, you know, my boss, my friend that's doing this or that and get more involved and get more publicity out there. That's certainly part of it. And we do want people to, you know, we want to be humanized and we want people to understand um, that we deserve the same kind of workplace protections. But I do take issue with this, this idea that we're not proactive. I mean, look at me and Ashley, we're trying to start a company while we're managing or waiting tables or I have I work at a place where an employee just wrote a very eloquently written grievance letter that sent it to the whole staff to try to spark a conversation we're not happy with our tip out structure we decided to all stay until the end of the shift which nobody wants to do when they're first cut and sit down and have a meeting with our manager about what kind of things we can do to change the culture our managers trying to plan outings so that we can all get together and bond in that way like there are people that care about this industry that work in it sure you know people say what about those college kids who are just there for the summer fine they're not going to be there but that doesn't mean they can't be a part of the culture and have a really great experience where they learn and they might be inspired to then you know share these plights or share these stories with people who aren't in the industry and I you know I feel like I used to have a little bit of like uh, like I do have a college degree and like people from my high school come in and they look at me with sad eyes like yeah. what happened to your life and I would feel kind of embarrassed and I'm like you know what I love this and I love my life and what I'm doing and um that's part of where Tipped Off was born, too. I was like, how can I keep doing this? But also, <laughs> you know, use other skills that I've learned and make this industry better. And that's where it came from. Like, there's nothing. There's so many great things about working in this industry. And we just want to make sure that it's great for everybody, right. you know, and including owners. Because so many servers and bartenders want to own their own spaces, too. And so what are the ways that we can all increase these levels of communication to create the best case scenario for everybody involved? And I think, Neil, to answer your, your question a little bit more, I, I mean, I don't I don't want people outside of our industry to keep making decisions for our industry. I, It's hard. I mean, Stephanie knows, like, we've worked for people who have never worked or owned a restaurant before, mm-hmm. and they're a banker, and they have a little extra cash, and, like, they want a bar to hang out it's with. it's glamorous. Right. It's like... Um, cool but you have no idea what you're doing so when it comes to like these roundtables and these talks I want the people who are in it every day to be there yes it would be wonderful to have people outside of our industry sit next to us and hear what we're saying and maybe try to help do something about it but we need to fucking do something about it because that's the problem and we need to start 
here, here. Yeah. by like making people and and it really the turnout at the, there wasn't an empty seat at Tina's and nope. that is mm-hmm. that really speaks to you that people do care about it and they wanted to come somewhere where they could discuss solutions and we had people who what like worked at a college cafeteria and people who mm-hmm. worked at lunch joints and bars and fine dining who all had to, you know came in and had interesting things to say and interesting ideas and were also unaware of a lot of things that were going on like it was just such it was such a demonstration of how not communicating with each other in one space is so harmful and that we can really like lift each other up if we just are consistently connecting and that's why we also want to keep having events like this we want to know everybody and we want everyone to know each other so that they can safely travel between restaurants they can understand what's going on and what to do so yeah are you worried about having too much of the same circle then with that um no i don't think so i think all three of the events that we've hosted so far which isn't many uh all had very different yeah turnouts uh, yeah very different turnouts very different vibes and i think uh part of that is that the things that we've talked about the places that we hosted the things that we're doing are all different um and, and we and, choose those things very thoughtfully, even right. like location, who we think is going to yep. show up, what day of the week. Yep. Um, and, and it is. It's to to reach out to everyone. We we don't want to just run in one specific small circle. It's kind of um, Stephanie and I have had this conversation before where I forced her to join USBG <laughs> uh, and made her become kind of active in some of the events there. And Stephanie has made it a point to say, great, we like these people, but they're not the only people that matter. So, yes, we should reach out to them and yes, we should be friendly, but they're not the only people that matter so this these can't be the only events that we're attending like not just pittsburgh famous people right. as we call them <laughs> <laughs> you can be pittsburgh famous but there are other pittsburgh people famous. here right. like one of our one yeah. of our best like fans mm-hmm. and per- pe- person who comes and supports us and participates is somebody who worked at eden park for years yeah you know and those people get overlooked because you know I, i'm not going to use certain restaurants as an example but some of the trendier restaurants they might look at someone like that and be like you don't know what you're talking about because you don't know what chartreuse is you know that kind of thing but she always has a lot of interesting things to say and Mm -hmm. a great perspective to bring to it and is passionate about making this industry better so we welcome that and and she's going to meet people that she never would have met before and and vice versa it's all about that's actually i'm with you i think franchises and the olive gardens and eden parks of the world Definitely get passed over, especially here on, on my show, because we definitely focus on the casual and fine dining kind of aspects, because that's what most people know, and it's a whole different dynamic in those institutions. And sometimes, though, too, it's ironic, because they actually are structured more corporate and have HR departments, and probably have less of the sexual harassment cases per se, at least not too much. <laughs> I'm not going to say, like, hey, still, it's going to happen, no doubt about it, but you're going to have someone get fired kind of on the spot, and it's going to be boom, boom, boom more so than not to where something might get dragged out. But nonetheless, though, the the wage structures there always crack me up with the no tipping because then it's definitely flip-flop. But my point, though, is with the the new site, you guys going to highlight those franchises or anything like that? Are you guys going to have a column for, like, Eaton Parks or Olive Gardens or anything? Or is it going to be more the casual fine, which we kind of focus on, and dare I say the trendy restaurants here in Pittsburgh? Um, we're not going to necessarily advertise one way or the other of who we're participating like with as far as um different 
styles of service. Um, and it's actually something that got brought up on a couple of our questionnaires from the people who worked at Sodexo who mm-hmm. who joined uh, the roundtable. And, and they just said, you know, like, you only, you were only really talking about fine dining and it took me aback because I was like I don't I don't think I'm only talking about fine dining <laughs> fine dining like, is is like a dying breed anyway right and, and and it just like it kind of took me aback because I was like I feel like this just like reaches out to everyone and touches everyone um and while I think that employees will certainly be looking for different sect- sectors based on what their experience is and what they're most comfortable with. It's not up to Stephanie and I to say whether or not that's a place you want to work at. That's up to you. I think, and I, I I don't see why we would discriminate. I mean, listen, like an Applebee's, a Friday's, whatever, an Olive Garden, they're going to attempt to very much have a culture that is the same in each one of their franchises. You know, that that comes down from corporate about what their values are. Um, is it going to vary from franchise to franchise? Of course. Yep. You know, are there better McDonald's to work at than others? I mean, I've even heard from like a friend yeah. of mine who said like the best McDonald's ever is the one in the strip district because <laughs> the employees are always They're crazy so nice. friendly. Like, it's and I've said so that to people and everybody says like, yeah, they just make my experience so great. I just great. figured they had the Szechuan sauce from there Rick and Morty. There you go, from Rick and Morty. So they said, you know, if I get McDonald's, that's the one I go to. And that's just, that just proves our point. And there are places... That even that I, I will tell Ashley or I'll tell friends that like this person who owns this group of restaurants, I don't know what it is. The service is awful. And every time it's I go in there, the, the food is amazing and the service is awful. So when I want to go there, it's because I really want the food and I know I'm going to kind of have a bad time. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and that's the trade off. But like what we want is to change that. It's right. like and and to again, highlight if someone's having a bad time, like it's like me, like I'm going to say, I, I don't think I have the energy to deal with a bartender rolling their eyes at me every time I say anything tonight. So I'm going to go somewhere where I know that it's going to be a good experience. Yep. So anyway, yeah, the franchise thing. Absolutely. I think that we should yeah. include them and, and come one call we? all. Exactly. Yeah. Some, and like, like we said, it's all about best match. That, that is some people's best match. Yeah. They like something that's a little more structured and corporate. So, and with benefits. Yeah. And, and they, maybe PTO. They usually do get more and, benefits. Yeah. They have those. Yeah. PTO. Uh, you know a little bit more freedom there but so yeah now, i don't think i actually i've asked you guys had this conversation all like as directly are you guys ever afraid though to i, I take it you guys aren't afraid to piss off a restaurant or anything else but are you guys with the new website a bit more aware to to edit those pieces down and trim it up and not be as direct you just want it straight from the cow's mouth this is what an employee said this is what restaurant yeah. owner said and just let it ride so we have updated our terms of agreement yeah <laughs> it was a uh, mistake that that resulted in the uh redacted piece um, um but basically we are expecting uh per our terms of agreement that if you post a review on tipped off it is honest you are not falsifying anything there's no elaborations or inflammations it is factual but again subject to edit only by omission but um you know i'm not sure like do you have something in mind that you feel like might be too controversial to publish because i can't think of anything yeah. unless it's <laughs> me for i think it just it like did you read like, the cure one around, where so. they they said like <laughs> yeah. i want to kill myself and i learned a lot in the kitchen but you know at the end of the day the side work is too much and it can be dangerous 
that to me is perfect. It's like, that makes me feel like I know what it's like to work there. Like I'm going to be proud of my product and learn a lot, (laughs) but I also might want to throw myself off a bridge. That's any kitchen. I'm going to drink too much. Right. Especially when it's one of the the best kitchens in the said city. I think that's going to be across the board, which is a whole other issue in itself. But it definitely, I think it helps for somebody that's trying to get into it. I think my biggest thing is just with the reviews, it's one of those things to where the way my mind works and critical, it's always going to wonder like, how true is this then of this employee saying that? And it's always going to be a seat of doubt. So, do you ever use services though, like Glassdoor, or do you check Yelp or TripAdvisor no, before I, you or Angie's Places? No. If I'm applying to a restaurant, I'm pretty old. There's very few that uh, not even applying uh, to a restaurant. Just do you use any review sites in general? And not like, really though. Yeah, I, not for restaurants. I want to go check it out myself and I get my own opinion from it. Well, you, if you are getting a job, that's not really an option. Because so I, I still not, weeks, I, you know? go check it out, and if I like the environment and all that, and like I said, there's very few restaurants I'll apply to just at face value. Like, you know what? This seems like a legit joint. I'm gonna apply, see what's up, and I'll figure it out when I get in there. But for the most part, if I'm like, all right, curious, definitely looking at a certain neighborhood, a certain restaurant, I'll go in there, try the food, go in a couple of times. Do you ever ask the employees like, hey, yes. do you like working here? Uh, to, if I if I'm at the bar, I think it's more of a sure. bartender kind of conversation. But the and serving thing, them? it's one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> it depends. I mean, if I'm in there, if it's the first time I'm in there, it's weird. It's the first time I'm in there, I'm more likely to get an honest response than second, third, fourth time. I have to be kind of a pretty regular to get that honest response like the first time i think you think they sugarcoat it the first time no i don't think they do you think they sugarcoat it later i think i'm saying as far as bartenders i think more so depending on where it is because if i'm coming into restaurants typically going to be you know earlier on to where not as many ears are around and it's okay i think people are more honest than if they don't know if you're going to come back or not that's an odd thing. That's just, that's just me. And I don't, I don't I'm always candid. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think about it like that. I don't think about like, <laughs> yeah. is this person not going to come back, back or is this person yeah. not going to work here? I always say like, I'm not, this job is about selling, but I'm not a very good salesperson. If, if chef puts something on as a special and I don't think it's that great and someone's like, hey, how's the tuna? I'll just be like, oh, I love okay, the ravioli, but what yeah. I really like is this. <laughs> then I have your trust. Now you're having a good time. Now you know that I'm not here which is what everybody thinks is that I'm just trying to sell you the most expensive bottle of wine. No, you want to spend $40? Great. Let me point you in the direction of our best $40 bottle. I just care that you're having a nice time. Like I'm really not thinking about the money so actively like at the table. Sure. I'm checking my sales, but But no, you're not going to do well if that's what you're focused on, you know, because it's so unpredictable. There's the verbal tip whenever someone's like, Oh my God, you're an amazing server. And we just had the most wonderful time. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I just got Take a 10%. Take Come on. Yeah. Just got a 10% tip. And that was my <laughs> other 10%. 10%. You know, <laughs> going straight to the self-esteem bank. But so, yeah. doesn't pay my rent. No. <laughs> Should have an actual round table on that. Just a verbal yeah. tip and how to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your kind words, words. unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, as, as I got to kind of wrap up here, what can we expect besides the new website, 2018? Oh, new logo. New logo. We're so excited about excited. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to, um, we're just rebranding um, and, you know, not official, but my hope is that we start pushing into another city by the end of the year. Um, Any that's... particular city on the radar? We well, don't agree yet, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we're kind of on the same yeah. page. We're, we're I, I like DC as an idea and I'll tell you why. Um, it's about twice the population of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And again, we have 
run into the problem that the world is just too small. Yep. It doesn't matter. Someone posted a review. We immediately have friends coming up and being like, hey, so uh, John Smith wrote that review, right? And we're like, like oh, I don't we can't know. Talk about I can't talk that. You know, they're guessing. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of the fun. But like, they're right a lot of the time. <laughs> so because, yeah. you know, the world is too small. So if we go to a bigger city, we get to know that city. Are people going to be more comfortable and less afraid of the retribution and can we grow it in a way there that like maybe we're not going to be able to grow it here right now like people love the idea and people are for reviews and they're for um this transparency and everything but like if people aren't writing reviews and they're just talking about it it's not going to go anywhere and if that fear doesn't go away so the hope is after we expand to different cities and it just becomes a normal thing Pittsburgh will be less afraid right how are you guys? Are you guys going to work in DC? I mean, that's, how's that would the, be the yeah, best part like, of the reason uh, that it was yeah. a good idea because we have places to stay there. Um, like I have, that was a suggestion that actually came from my family. That was like, you could stay for free. You could get a job at a restaurant. You know, do the same thing you're doing here. And I have friends there that have worked in the industry, and it's like, let's understand the culture a little bit and find people there who we can also partner with, who kind of are like the Ashleys of DC, who like know everybody or know kind of know what the deal is when it comes to the culture let us know about that and help us reach people there in a way that is appropriate to their environment and you know kind of learn how different the culture is from city to city because all I know is mostly New York and some Pittsburgh and Ashley knows mostly Pittsburgh you know so there we are going to definitely have to pull people who know so is Pittsburgh kind of just a beta phase then is that I don't want to call to say? Pittsburgh phase, a beta phase. phase. <laughs> maybe, this web, maybe the current website is the beta phase. They're not beta. Pittsburgh's our number one. That's yeah. why we're here. That's oh. why I left New York. That's our boo. Yeah, exactly. Just curious because <laughs> you guys probably you definitely have to be in that scene. So that's why I'm curious then if you're looking to expand. I mean, oh, definitely if it's just submerge you two, ourselves it's, it's into going it. to be. Yeah. You I need know. to find some other people. And foot soldiers kind of so to speak absolutely we're excellent foot soldiers that. yeah and finding foot soldiers too we're delightful come so. on it's easy <laughs> everyone loves us yeah. you know? it's part of the part of the deal being in this industry you gotta be you able gotta to talk to people everybody. Absolutely. Exactly. yeah so but honestly thank you both for being in thank studio thank you so much thank for you. inviting so, us in absolute pleasure but as always guys thanks for listening i'm your host neil strebig i want to thanks thank uh point park center media innovation and of course, guys, give us a follow on uh, Facebook, Twitter. Watch uh, live 7 p.m.s on Thursday nights on the YouTube channel. But as always, guys, thanks a bunch. Take you out with uh, my favorite song of all time, Brazmasters. Masters.